Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch London. For more information and resources, please go to ChristchurchLondon.org. Specifically for standing firm against our spiritual enemy who seeks to undermine our faith and cause us to stumble. We are urged to stand firm because as David described in his talk last week, this enemy of ours prowls around like a roaring lion. For a more detailed rendition of this spiritual enemy, can I point you to the very first talk that Liam did in the series who looked at this in detail. So far in the series, we have heard about the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, and the shield of faith. And today, together, we are looking at the next part of the armor that Paul describes as having our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Let's have a look at the verse together to remind ourselves. Ephesians 6, 10 to 16 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So Paul is urging us to have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. What does this phrase even mean? (laughs) I have been finding out. (laughs) In biblical times, Roman soldiers apparently wore boots, leather boots that had small nails protruding from the bottom of them to give them firm footing in combat. These spikes enable soldiers to battle in all kinds of terrain, all kinds of weather, and at all hours of the day. The spikes help them to maintain their footing. Now, those of you that know me well know the sad, regrettable fact that I'm not a sportswoman, never have been, (laughs) wish I was, but I'm told that the spikes on football boots and running boots perform the same task of enabling that person to run the race better and maintain their footing. In the context here, having our feet fitted, Paul is emphasizing standing firm against the attacks of our spiritual enemy, which can look like, among other things, the assaults of self-doubt or doubting God and his promises, anxiety and fearfulness, self-loathing, a critical spirit, and so on. Joe Wells spoke two weeks ago on the battlefield of the mind, on how the enemy seeks to undermine us through our thought life. I recommend a really good listen. The Greek word for readiness in this verse is translated as preparation and can be referred to having a prepared foundation or a solid base. Paul understood this foundation as Jesus and his good news. He found protection, comfort and strength in the knowledge of what God's gospel meant for him and for the others he shared the news with. So in this passage, Paul is urging the church in Ephesus to do the same, to root deeply into God's truth and love and promises in order to not give the enemy a fighting chance. 
Now, there is uncertainty among scholars and among commentators about whether the meaning of readiness in this passage is subjective. In other words, whether it actually refers to the firmness and steadfastness which the gospel gives to those of us who believe it, or whether it's objective and therefore implying the Christian's readiness to announce the good news of peace to others, introducing them to what John Stott has called the liberating gospel, the fact that Jesus died for their sins, forgives them and loves them wholeheartedly. There are indeed faint echoes from a passage in Isaiah 52 where it says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace. My personal conclusion is that both meanings are important, and so we're going to be looking at both today. Firstly, the idea of peace with God, an inner peace that we can each know. To be steadfastly rooted and grounded in our relationship with God, in what he has done and what that means for us. Secondly, bringing peace to the world. How our encounters with God's love and truth hopefully and necessarily overflow beyond us to others. Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, freely you have received, freely give. So putting on our shoes of peace. Peace has a name. I want to start by saying that this particular theme of peace has been one of the challenges of my life. Even in preparing for this talk, I had masses of anxiety and fear. Growing up, I was the eldest, more cautious child, highly sensitive, creative, observant, analytical. I noticed everything and and was unsettled by any changes. According to several personality tests, I am the type of human being who is more prone to anxiety. (laughs) For, For others in the room today, the struggle for peace may not be to do with the tendency towards anxiety and fear, but instead of perfectionism or a need to control or self-criticism, self-loathing, a a striving to be successful in the world's eyes, to be powerful, or simply a sense of never being calm within or at rest within. We will each have our own ways of describing what a lack of peace is like for us individually. I have definitely known the absence of peace, and I am still on the journey but I'm discovering more and more where I have let the enemy lie to me and steal from me, and I am quicker now at shaking off the fiery arrows and digging my feet into true peace. Despite how I may feel, and despite what personality tests might like to say to the contrary. (laughs) For peace has a name, my friends, and he is available to us in any situation we find ourselves. One pastor has said this, Sometimes we live in ignorance of what we already possess. So what do we as believers already possess? Jesus, who is himself the embodiment of peace. In the book of Matthew, in chapter 8, many of you will be familiar with the um, story where Jesus had been teaching near the Sea of Galilee, and he wanted some respite from the crowd. So along with his disciples, he took a boat and sailed to the opposite side of the shore. Not long after they set sail, Jesus fell asleep, but a storm arose. It says the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling, but Jesus was asleep. The disciples were terrified and woke Jesus, who stilled the storm and told the disciples to not be afraid. I think there are three things we can learn from this. One, the disciples who were with Jesus himself were still terrified. In other words, it's okay to struggle but they knew who to take their struggle to. 
Two, Jesus was in the midst of the storm. He reminds us in John 16, 33, to expect trouble, but he has promised to be with us in the storms of life. And three, Jesus calmed the storm. He has supernatural capacity to turn situations around, to bring order out of chaos, hope from despair. Now, many people and books and things will tell us peace is a feeling and the absence of noise and terror. Biblical peace, however, as Jesus taught us and showed us, is so much more than a feeling. And thank goodness, because if mine are anything to go by, feelings go up and down and are definitely not constant. Dwight L. Moody put it this way, a great many people are trying to make peace. But that has already been done. God has not left it for us to do. All we have to do is enter into it. So let's remind ourselves briefly for the context of the peace that is Jesus, a little of our wider biblical story, if you'll indulge me. Romans 5.10 says we were enemies of God. Our backs were turned away from him, that we are part of the rebellion or self-centeredness that began with Adam and Eve. We didn't trust that he had goodness and flourishing for us. But when we choose to surrender and receive Jesus as our Lord, we make a truce with him and also with ourselves. We, come, we become at peace with God and with ourselves. We receive the identity of being unconditionally loved, fully known, fully forgiven, fully embraced, set free from anything that would seek to hinder us. Jesus wrote this treaty, or his commitment to us, with his blood on the cross. That bond, that covenant, declares the true reality that we are now and always, forever, at peace with God. This peace is a reality. It has nothing to do with how we feel or what we think. No striving is needed from us. Jesus did this for us. And so the biblical concept of peace does not focus on the absence of trouble. It is unrelated to circumstance. Through Jesus, we already have, right now, all the peace of God available to us wherever we find ourselves. It says in the Psalms, he stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. When I think of Jesus hushing and stilling the waves with one command, I like to think too of him hushing the voice of the enemy who lies and deceives us. The enemy is the voice of discouragement in our head. The negative labels, statements, feelings and thoughts about ourselves or others that trip us up and uproot our footing. These lies go against Jesus' very own words. He says, do not be afraid. As he said to his disciples in the storm, do you still have no faith? I will never leave you or forsake you. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am making a way in the desert, streams in the wasteland. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the apple of my eye. You are engraved on the palms of my hand. I have come to heal your broken heart and bring you life in all its fullness. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I like how it says, let it. The point is it's a choice because God is all about relationship which has to involve an ongoing choice for us to pursue him and his attributes or not. Paul urges us to not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Jesus rebuked the enemy's trickery and deceit again and again while he was here on earth, and he gave us authority to do the same. To tell the voices of discouragement or insecurity or pride where to go. As he said in Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Now, I'm sure most people in this room are familiar with airplanes and might have flown on an airplane from time to time. Um, if you have, you will know that there is a pre-takeoff pre safety routine um, where they basically run through what might happen in an emergency with the oxygen masks falling. And the part that sticks out to me is when they say to fit your own before you fit those of your children or, or anyone else, in fact. Um, I always think that bit sounds mean and selfish. Like, why would I not put my friends first? <laughs> but actually, when we stop to think about it, it makes complete sense. The point is we have to fit our own masks in order to be able to help our more vulnerable ones with their masks. Otherwise, if we're conked out, we're no good to anyone. The point is, and just to say I've actually experienced that on an actual airplane on a flight to Hong Kong. If you'd like to know more, ask me later. <laughs> Clearly, I survived. <laughs> um, the point is we have to um, pursue our own relationship with God first. We have to experience the reality of the gospel in our own hearts and minds in order to be authentic in how we share his goodness with others. Finally, we can know biblical peace is so much more than a feeling because Jesus himself, peace personified, struggled and grieved and felt excruciating emotional and physical pain. In the Garden of Gethsemane, as we know, he had huge distress and agony. In How People Grow, a book by Christian psychologists Henry Cloud and John Townsend, they write this, Jesus and the Apostle Paul all knew pain and struggle. This was not the issue. The issue was what they did in that pain and struggle. They took it to God and leaned on his Holy Spirit, the helper for strength. Can anybody here tell me what the international symbol for peace is? I hope somebody can. Yes, Barnabas. It's close. It's close. Anyone else? Otherwise, I'll tell you. <laughs> it should be that. Barnabas thinks it's this. It is the dove, my friends. <laughs> but we'll, we could take this. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so in the, book of, um, in the book of John in the Bible, concerning Jesus' own baptism, it says that when he got back out of the water, the Spirit of God came upon him in the form of a dove, and remained. Now doves are very nervous, sensitive birds. Bill Johnson in his sermon, The Resting Place, makes this point. If I have a dove sitting on my shoulder in the natural and I don't want him to fly away, how am I going to walk? Every step is going to be with the dove in mind. The Holy Spirit lives within us to lead us, guide us, and remind us of what Jesus said, did, and will do. Jesus told us he has not left us alone on this earth trying to reach up and pull down from heaven, heaven's peace, and try hard to become like Jesus by our own efforts. Jesus said to his disciples before his death, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, 
my peace I give you. Paul's letter to the church in Galatia describes one of the fruits or evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives as peace and that this is something we can grow in. We can choose to walk in step with the Spirit, conscious of the dove, if you like, resting on our shoulder. Or it says in Ephesians 4.30, we can grieve the Spirit by going our own way. One translation of the verse says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Now we know God will never leave us, but how many times have we left him? ignored him, not consulted him. I doubt I'm the only one who's done this. The point is we get to ask the Holy Spirit to stand firm, to help us stand firm and keep our feet fitted. This is the tension we always need to hold. God has a part and we have a part. And this is how um, we grow, I believe, in feeling peace as we choose to walk in each step with the dove in mind, remaining in communion with him, asking his thoughts on situations, his thoughts about us, his thoughts about the people in our lives. As we let him comfort and counsel us, our anxiety and fear can dissipate. What do we fix our minds on? Where do we put our attention? The enemy would love us to forget we even have the Holy Spirit within us to help us in our struggles and to lead us into deeper levels of felt peace and fulfilling life. What would it be like to live with more consciousness of God in us, of the dove on our shoulder, if that image helps, and to pursue the more and more of God continually available to us? Now, I did not grow up in a Christian family. When I was 19, I went to art school here in London. Whoop! And and my desk was next to a girl called Nikki. I was aware that there was something different about her. I was drawn to a peace she had that felt in direct contrast to the inner turmoil and insecurity I was feeling at that time. This is the best way I can describe it, and it's always been the way I describe it. She had a peace about her, and I wanted to be near her as a result. She didn't shove Jesus and his gospel down my throat. She became friends with me, and she showed me love and care. She was creative and fun, and she didn't hide her faith. She had a very colored on, painted on, multicolored Bible. (laughs) Art school. (laughs) As our friendship developed, she told me about her relationship with Jesus, and interestingly, ooh, rain. Um, (laughs) Spirit of the living God. Interestingly, I don't actually remember the exact words she used in telling me about Jesus. It wasn't that the words weren't important, but it was, what, it was that they were imbued with the presence of God himself because she had got to know him intimately and carried his spirit with her. Anyone can preach Jesus, but it is the spirit that brings transforming life. It says in the Bible, in John chapter 6, that Jesus' own words are spirit and life. So when I think about my own coming to faith story, how I longed for God without really even knowing it, and for the peace I did not have, I'm reminded of many people in each of our lives, right here in Covent Garden, in our workplaces and universities, families who have not yet experienced this Prince of Peace, who he really is, rather than all the facade representations of him out there. Peace comes in the form of a person. Peace comes as a result of a relationship. 
Peace is active. It transforms and changes us. Letting God permeate our lives from the inside out isn't just for our sake, but so that when we go into our everyday worlds to spend time with our friends, step into situations and conversations, houses, offices, the atmosphere is changed by our presence carrying God's presence. That is exactly what I felt with my friend who I became a Christian through and found my faith through. Her presence that I felt as peace wooed me to God. And we're each called to be like my friend, carriers of a peace and presence that changes lives. Etty Hilson was a Jewish writer who tragically died at Auschwitz, and she wrote this, the more peace there is in us, the more peace there will be in our troubled world. Now, what is it that peace does, after all? What does it mean to take the gospel of peace to others? We're reminded, I think, in Isaiah 61. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you and me, I add the you, to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. God designed us to be in relationship with him in order to flourish and to expand beyond this primary relationship to loving others extravagantly, to lay our lives down for our friends as Jesus taught us, to reach others with his transforming love. We need to be ready for people's pain and to welcome it in ourselves, knowing Jesus is more than able to meet every need and still every storm within. And I want to emphasize here the importance of having each other's backs as a community. We need each other to stand firm in the faith. We need to defend and fight for each other. We need to walk out the gospel of peace amongst each other, protect one another and lift one another up. And we need to watch where we're being lured into feelings of hatred and jealousy and deceit towards one another. In James 4, it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within? Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. The peace Jesus won on the cross broke down all barriers between Jew and Gentile, slave or free man, free woman, everyone became united under the same banner of love. And I truly believe that one of the biggest ways the enemy tries to undermine believers and tries to make our feet slip is by highlighting the differences between us, by encouraging us to harbor ill feeling rather than being quick to forgive, by encouraging us to be passive aggressive rather than having difficult, more confronting conversations in love. It is worth asking ourselves, who has my back? And whose back do I have? If there are gaps, then becoming aware of this will hopefully propel us into change, to fill the gaps, to pray and ask God for the people we need. Johnny shared a couple of weeks ago our heart and vision for this service, namely three things we want to be intentional about here at Christ Church Covent Garden. Firstly, pursuing the presence of God. Secondly, creating honest, authentic community. 
And finally, our purpose in sharing the love we have found with others. To return to the oxygen mask metaphor, the point in maintaining our close relationship with the Prince of Peace is so that when our brothers and sisters, of faith or not of faith, are struggling, are vulnerable in some way, we get to surround them, encourage them, and bring God's loving presence and healing and hope to them. The enemy that Paul urges us to be armored against would love it if we kept the gospel of peace to ourselves within the body of Christ. But the purpose of Jesus was and is always to alter and change environments, to bring a change in people's lives, to break every yoke. The, the dove longs to find another resting place. But we remember it starts with peace in us first before we can bring that peace to others. Have we experienced the closeness of God in our own lives so that we can honestly speak of the goodness of him to others? Have we let him heal our broken heart if we need this and free us from labels and lies? He wants to be our peace in the storm so that we become like him, carriers and proclaimers of peace to others. John MacArthur put it this way, God can work peace through us only if he has worked peace in us. So as I come into land today, we can all experience an inner peace with God through relationship with Jesus. We allow Jesus, the Prince of Peace himself, to minister to us and change us from the inside out through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, our helper. Encountering the unending love of our God settles and steadies and assures us Jesus has already won everything for our sake, for our flourishing, and this flourishing is available to anyone and everyone. We now are all carriers of this peace, carriers of a peace and presence that this world so needs to experience. We are called to have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So how are our feet doing? Do you need to come back to the Prince of Peace and listen to his voice amidst the storm? Do you need to hush the voice of the enemy with the authority of Jesus given to you and me to still the waves and steady our inner man, our inner woman? As individuals, we need to spend time in God's presence and meditate on his promises for a hope and a future, no matter what our circumstances might be telling us. And if we are struggling at the moment, we can call upon the Holy Spirit, our helper, who is always near. We get to lean on him and allow him to strengthen us where we're weak. We are all works in progress. We all need help from time to time, and there's no shame in admitting that. Some of us will need the help and support of others as part of the healing process, as part of untangling lies that may have taken root. And I just want to say here at CCL, we have a fantastic course that I know we talk about a lot called Steps. If, this, if you think you might be interested in this, take a look at the website. It's a really supportive course. As a community, we get to love each other. We get to protect each other, have each other's backs. We need to bring peace to each other's hearts and minds. So let's be honest with each other when we're hearing the lies louder than the truth. And let's pray for each other. We need to keep our shoes of peace fitted, no matter what the terrain. We need to do this so much more than for our own sakes. 
You don't need me to speak to you today about all the unrest in our world. How desperately our world needs, for people, needs people of real peace. Not a cozy, temporary feeling, but a constant, active relationship that changes and transforms hearts and minds. I wonder if the band would come back. I want to end with a prayer, and I wonder if you'd join me in standing. Lord, make me, make us an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information or for further podcasts and downloads, please visit ChristChurchLondon.org.